the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. China trade, Saudi oil, U.S. presidential race, the softening of U.S. manufacturing sector, Brexit. Wow. The list seems to go on and on. Lots of pressure on the markets these days that we are now ten and a half years into a bull run. The big question on the minds of many investors is, will it make it to 11? And what about all the conflicting signs? There's a lot of noise today trying to decide what to follow and what will lead the decisions that you make as an investor. Well, that indeed is the big challenge. Joining me with some insights, Stan Ehrlich. Stan started in the futures industry clear back in 1971 as a runner on the Chicago Futures Exchange. By 1978, he invented the Ehrlich Cycle finder, a universal technical analysis tool, now the oldest physical technical analysis device in use in the investment industry worldwide. From 2003 to 2008, he served as president of Solid Gold Financial Services, Inc., a futures commission merchant and Forex dealer member. He has been quoted in numerous financial papers, magazines, and lauded in many technical analysis books, and has made appearances on CNBC and many other television and radio programs related to the markets and the world of investing. Stan served as the president of a Forex hedge fund, the Solid Gold Forex Fund LP. He was also a technical analysis consultant for Kearns Capital Management, Inc., and currently is developing the Ehrlich Reversal an automated stock, futures, and forex trading system. And Stan, great to have you on the program. I'm really happy to be here, particularly today. It is is an interesting day. We certainly have today, of course, the president in New York City and uh, just recently here gave an address to the United Nations. Uh, We're seeing some interesting things coming out on Wall Street today, some encouraging news uh, in the arena of housing sales. But as you look at the big picture here, Stan, and you've been at this for, my goodness, uh, nearly 48 years now. You were just a babe in arms when you you started all of this. You've seen so many cycles and have course, looking at cycles, following the trends, understanding from the deep technical analysis of what happens really becomes the key for investors because, let's face it, if you just follow the din and the noise, it's very easy to be misled. Always. As a matter of fact, the din and the noise are what fool, trick most traders or investors. And I use two different words here on purpose. Investors are longer term market participants, where traders may be in and out simply in a day or a few weeks, maybe a month or two, but they're a lot shorter term than investors. Nevertheless, Craig, you'll agree, both would like to sell the top of the market and buy the bottom of the market, period, no matter what your time frame is. So timing is everything. And of course, therein lies the real deft touch. Uh, we'd all love to get in at the bottom and get out at the top. It's knowing the difference. And you're right, there are different factors involved, different 
issues that drive the decisions made by investors versus traders. And a big part of what you do is to help bring about the deeper technical analysis. Because let's face it, if you're just trying to follow what's being said on the 6 o'clock news or what makes the headlines of the Wall Street Journal, it's very easy to get caught up in all of the emotion of this. And I think most certainly if, if, if there was ever a time when emotion tends to drive the markets, we've, we've seen this almost nonstop since the downturn in 2008. There's always emotion involved in trading. Uh, human beings can't help it. And it is one of those fatal flaws. I like to tell people that uh, investing or trading is counterintuitive. What looks good is bad, and what looks bad, like today, is good. And everything seems to be bass-ackwards, one of my favorite words. I made it up. But obviously it means in reverse. So let's talk about today for a moment. Is that all right? Please. Fantastic. Currently, uh, the... Dow is down approximately 200 points, which is a fairly big down day, not disastrous, not huge, but, you know, it happens a couple times a month, maybe. And the S&P is similarly down a lot, around 300 points lower. To a technical analyst or a technician or a chartist, and those are all synonyms for the same thing, somebody who understands the way markets move and looks at charts and graphs, you can see that the market topped out about four or five, three or four days ago, close to a high, another four or five days earlier than that. And those prices for the Spider or the S&P 500, the code SPY, are very, very similar to the high that was made back on July 26th. Now we're talking about what's called a double top, right? You've got two highs in general that are about the same price over a significant amount of time, which would be several weeks, maybe a few months. In this case, a eh, month and a half, two months. And if this double top is for real, and today is a pretty good piece of evidence, I think you can agree that it's starting to look like maybe it's a real thing. And uh, by the way, past tense, it's a real thing. You've got to get all the way down below the lows that were made starting August 5th through August 22nd, 23rd? Yeah, 23rd. And there were three or four lows in the same price range. And then everybody will agree the double top looks for real, and you have another large decline. And I'll use the word large. It's appropriate to uh, probably happen. There's another thing I want to mention, Greg, and I don't mean to cut you off, break in any moment if you'd like. There's such a thing called the October lows. A lot of people are not aware of this phenomena, and I'm sitting here having experienced over 40 of them, and they don't always happen, but if you look back at October, each October for the last 30, 40 years, you'll see frequently there is a significant buying opportunity. Sometimes it's the bottom of a really big crash, the subprime loan debacle, our last recession, October 10th, or uh, a relatively minor downside correction in an overall uptrend. Nevertheless, a buying opportunity of some degree or another. And why they happen in October frequently, I'm going to say 80% of the time plus, is beyond me. And I've researched it. It's not elections. That was one thing that pops up frequently. It's 
different every darn time, so there's no commonality to why it happens. It just does. Now, once you believe in the October lows and think that it's possible again and again and again, here we come. What's next month? (laughs) Right into October. Thank you very much. (laughs) And what are we doing? We're starting to come down. This is a new low today uh, since the gap up on September 5, three weeks or so. So it's looking a little more toppy today than it did yesterday, that's for sure. And we were just making new highs for the whole trend four days ago. But there's a key to that one day four days ago. It made a new high for the whole trend and couldn't stay there. It rallied up and went, "Ah, ah, ah," and I'm running out of gas. I have no more strength. And it pulled right back down and closed almost unchanged. That's almost a reversal. Not quite. Then the next day, which was uh, today's Friday last week, it dropped a chunk. Nothing disastrous. But today, after doing nothing yesterday, today it now is obviously new lows for three weeks. The gap is mostly closed, not quite yet. And when we close the gap, magic happens. you got two things to do. And the third, sideways, not going to happen. You either go back up again or you go back down. That's it, obviously. I've tried many times to make the market go backwards, but it doesn't seem to succeed very well. So I can't turn the clock back. Do we bounce off support? And that's going to be a little higher than 294.30-ish for the S&P 500. Or it breaks below the support. That's bad. Or if you're bearish, it's good. Because that is going to start to look more serious. You break below that support level of approximately 294 and a third, and you're sinking into the support level that's fairly substantial. You know, it's, a, all, it's all of August, basically. Uh, but now you're into the quicksand. And you, you can sink easily all the way to the bottom of the quicksand, which is 282-ish, give or take a point. God forbid we're going to break below 282. That's the start of a bear move. Some people might say bear market. And you said at the beginning of this recording of this broadcast that we're 10 and a half years, I believe you said, into the bull market, correct? We are. What is the average number of years for a bull market historically? Boy, I'm going to take a stab in the dark of this. I'm going to say probably two, two and a half, three years. For a bull market? It's about seven to eight years, sometimes nine-ish. My point is, this has been ten and a half, approximately, depending on what you peg as the bottom of the bear market, whether it was, I think, February of uh, 08 or October of 07, October 10th, 07. Um, And one is a lower low than the other one, so... Most people would think the very, very, very bottom is the beginning of a bull market. And, in fact, I would provide arguments that it's not really necessarily correct. Anyway, it's been overdue. The bear market or a bear move or a major technical correction, whatever phrase you want to use, it's basically historically overdue, and you said it at the beginning. Are we looking at the beginning? Is this double top going to come true? We've double-topped out at approximately 302 in the S&P with a bottom of 282. That is obviously 20 points. Now, you'll look in all the textbooks on charting, and if you have a double-top and it's 20 points deep, when you get below the bottom, you're supposed to drop another 20 points. That's the classic interpretation of this particular chart pattern. So, yeah, 262 
would be approximately the downside objective. And I'm going with that. That's exactly my forecast, and I do think that's about to happen. If you've just joined us, our conversation today, it was, was with Stan Ehrlich. Stan is the developer of the Ehrlich Reversal, an automated stock, futures, indexes, ETFs, and Forex trading system. It's a technical approach to trading that blends disciplines from Japanese candlesticks to a customized relative strength index, momentum, trading psychology, and the best elements of technical analysis. More information available on the web at ersignals.com. That's ersignals.com. A brief timeout back to more of our conversation as Money Pulse continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to our conversation. Today with us is a gentleman who's been in the markets, my goodness, almost 50 years. He's seen the trends. He's seen the emotion that sometimes drives the bad decisions. And he's here today to give us some insights in terms of where we're at today and where he thinks we're going, not from the emotion of the markets, but rather from the technical side of the markets. Stan Ehrlich with us today from ER Signals. Information, by the way, online at ersignals.com. That's ersignals.com. What are your thoughts, Stan, in terms of, of how much weight do you put into uh, the, the recent event we had with the bond yield curve inversion uh, that has typically historically signaled that we are beginning the downturn process, and usually we see recession within a year or two after that happens. Uh, is this a market right now where a lot of the old rules are sort of dispensed with? What is your sense? The only constant is change itself. And I hear what you said. I don't see any technical evidence yet that the old tools that we used in the 70s, 80s, and beyond, and currently still use, uh, have become obsolete. Uh, in fact, they're tending to reinforce themselves, and I've used them for almost five decades now. Um, so I, I think, no, the chart formations and the way that the market moves still can help forecast the future, quote-unquote. So I'm going to stick with what I just said, and it's weird. I've lived through, well, I don't remember how many elections, political events, assassinations, earthquakes, Mount St. Helens, you name it, tsunamis, um, droughts, everything. And I don't find historically any particular correlation other than seeing the market move in a certain manner and then it does something next most of the time. No matter what caused it, it's something different. This time it's tweeting. It's the mention that you said of the crossover of the uh, interest rates. These things may or may not cause the next bear move again, which is what I think is about to happen. So time will tell, obviously, but I don't think like that. I stopped thinking like that decades ago. It didn't help me. It helps a lot of people because they can make sense emotionally, psychologically, that the president wants this to happen and he's going to make it happen. Therefore, you know, it's supposed to be good for the market and so on. What about just recently when they lowered interest rates? The market took a tank immediately. I know the next day the president said something about the Chinese trade agreements, and that helped it go down more. But the end of the story is 
lowering interest rates theoretically is good for the market. Didn't happen. Markets move on, here's another one of my goodies. Markets move on anticipation and reverse on realization. That is, buy the rumor and sell the news. But it's the twist on it, because I didn't get bullish or bearish. I just said it moves on anticipation, whether it was a bullish anticipation or a bearish anticipation. And once that news comes out, good or bad, it tends to have already been absorbed in the price action beforehand. And now there's nobody left to push prices down or push prices up, and it flip-flops often, most of the time. So trade the expectation reverse on the realization makes a lot of sense if you live through it a few dozen times or more. Absolutely so, because at the end of the day, you're, you're simply attempting to read the tea leaves and then respond accordingly. But of course, as we know, sometimes those tea leaves are, are subject to um, uh, interpretation and what seems to be heading in our direction and how we uh, anticipatory fashion respond to it. And then the reality of what hits, I mean, case in point, we were all expecting uh, you know absolute disaster from Hurricane Dorian along the Florida coast. Surprise, surprise, the Bahamas took all the brunt of it. Uh, certainly a bit of damage in the U.S., but nowhere near what the anticipation was. And I use that to illustrate the notion that sometimes what you think is heading in your direction, and so you react accordingly, may in fact never materialize, and yet the action has already been taken. And so it's almost as if at the end of the day, uh, part of what's driving the markets is attempting to read the tea leaves, reading them inaccurately, and then responding to our quite frankly, misguided actions in the first place. And, and, and maybe therein lies the, the real confusion that oftentimes um, comes out of this notion that we can somehow use what the headlines tell us as a means of predicting where the markets are going to head. Exactly. And that is fundamentals. What's in the newspaper, what's on TV, radio as well, and in media in general, is always to some degree after the fact history. Uh, Reading the tea leaves, as you say, the price action in the market is real-time interpretation of the biggest money in the world, the smartest people in the world, the people that actually push the market up and down. It's sure as heck not the individual investor. It is more like hedge funds, mutual funds and the like, that have the the power and that act upon it and have lived through this stuff uh, that really show and and cause the market to create these patterns. And, you know, they're the smart ones that got to where they are because they were able to do this successfully for a long, long time. They're able to interpret the way the market moves. And again, uh, I'm not, and one of my favorite phrases again, I'm not a funny mentalist or fundamentalist because it's old news, and I can't help it. I look at what's happening now, and I see this break this morning in prices, uh, not surprised, forecasted it. The people I work with knew a week ago I said it was likely, but, you know, I can't guarantee it. It's happened. Um, but I don't know why. Did um, Trump tweet something this morning? I don't know. Maybe. Was it something else? Did the U.N. meeting uh, end up producing negative results? I don't know. But all these things, as a technical analyst, don't matter to me. Only the way markets move. I'm very strict in that interpretation, and it doesn't make sense to most people. 
until they've done it for a long time. Then the tea leaves may produce bad results, but, you know, the word money management, that phrase is critically important. Heck, let's just say I'm right half the time, and that's tea leaves. But if I don't get stubborn and I do practice good money management techniques, then my losses won't be so bad. They're handleable, and my profits, I let them run, and they will be much greater than the losses, and that's the bottom line, and that's exactly what people need to do and don't. There's fear and greed. They get scared. They don't put their quote-unquote stop loss or protective stop is what I like to use the phrase uh, in quickly, on time. They don't move it. There are a bunch of classic mistakes, just classic. It, being a broker 35 years and having some other positions in the industry during that time, I wrote four different technical analysis market letters as well, by the way, and uh, in a whole bunch of books and so on and so forth. I see the same mistakes again and again and again. I've been part of, uh, give or take, 150 conferences, lectures worldwide for 35, give or take, years. It, it's the same thing. It's history repeating itself, which is good if you learn from it. Not, that doesn't always happen with lots of people. Well, well, of course, the irony is if you're, if you're taking that approach to investing of sort of reading the tea leaves and you're following what Kramer had to say and what they're, <laughs> what they're telling you on, on uh, CNBC, yeah, I suppose you can be right half of the time, like a stop clock is right at least twice a day, and yet is it really a long-term strategy for investing? And I think that you would argue no. It, it really is more of, of hit and miss, and so it's akin to uh, let's open up uh, – uh, the back page of the Wall Street Journal, blindfold ourselves, spin around three times, throw a dart at the wall, and whatever it lands on, that's where we put our money. You might make some, you might not. Who knows? If you've just joined us, our conversation today, it was, was with Stan Ehrlich. Stan is the developer of the Ehrlich Reversal, an automated stock, futures, indexes, ETFs, and Forex trading system. It's a technical approach to trading that blends disciplines from Japanese candlesticks to a customized relative strength index. Index, momentum, trading psychology, and the best elements of technical analysis. More information available on the web at ersignals.com. That's ersignals.com. A brief timeout back to more of our conversation as Money Pulse continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to our conversation. Today with us is a gentleman who's been in the markets, my goodness, almost 50 years. He's seen the trends. He's seen the emotion that sometimes drives the bad decisions. And he's here today to give us some insights in terms of where we're at today and where he thinks we're going, not from the emotion of the markets, but rather from the technical side of the markets. Stan Ehrlich with us today from ER Signals. Information, by the way, online at ersignals.com. That's ersignals.com. Stan, you might have read in the news today, uh, there was word that apparently the survey has been done of billionaires across Europe. And the results of this survey conducted by the Swiss investment bank UBS, they looked at 360 global family offices with an average wealth of $1.2 billion. And in this survey, more than half of the respondents said they expect a recession by 2020. 
Now, of course, with this, we're beginning to see some trends where they're moving portfolio dollars, shifting into bonds and real estate, more increasing their cash reserves, all in a sense that maybe sort of the, the combination of the swirling issues of Saudi Arabian oil field fires, Iran, North Korea, some of the political instability in the United States as we head into the 2020 elections. That plus the notion that, gee, how long can we really sustain this 10 and a half heading toward 11-year-long bull run? How long can that really last? So let me get your your sort of 30,000-foot-high sense about all of this. As you take a look at the technicals and you stand back and look at where we're at over the course of the last say three to five years, ten years all told, where do you see all of this heading in terms of, of the cycles of the markets? Thank you, Craig. Well cycles is one of my expertise. Uh, you mentioned the early cycle finder before and I appreciate that. And I do realize that markets tend to go in rhythms some of them are very long. The Kondratiev wave is 50, 54 years, give or take. Uh, Russian actually discovered it in economic capitalistic societies. They didn't like that much, the Russians, and they sent them up to Siberia. But nevertheless, it tends to exist. Talking about something a lot less than 50, 54 years, this uh, bull market has been lasting approximately 10 and a half years, which is a couple of years overdue for the start of a bear move. And from a technical standpoint, I, I mentioned a little earlier in discussion, I think I see the beginnings of a chart formation uh, which is capable of starting a fairly good bear market for a year or two. It might last. It's difficult to say at this very early stage. I mean, we just hit historic highs four days ago. And I'm just listening to your public right now going, how the heck can he stand there and say something about a bear market when we just hit historic highs four days ago. Well, I've seen a lot of these formations develop. Some don't work, some do. As long as it is doing, so far it is, what you are hoping it should do, and the tea leaves align correctly, it is a head and shoulder top or a double top, in this case a double top, and it does have those potentials of getting the S&P down to 262 area or lower, that is a minimum objective price-wise, index level-wise. And, um, yeah, that's exactly what I'm expecting. But there's more proof, a lot more proof to evolve, I'm going to say, in the next few weeks, because I am looking for the October low. And, by the way, before our time is up today, I'd like to mention something about the Santa Claus rally, because I have a very specific uh, twist to that. Highly reliable, give or take about 90% of the time over the last few decades, it has actually happened. So at the end, if we have time, ask me about Santa Claus. Before we get to that, I want to ask you about, uh, let's talk geography for a moment, and specifically Brexit. Um, Boy, that seems to be creating a tremendous amount of turmoil in the EU. Will they? Won't they? When will they? If they do, how will they? Uh, This seems to, no doubt, be putting a great deal of not only unrest into uh, the British economy, but but, uh, more stability than I'm sure the EU would like to see at this time, particularly frustrating some 
some of the more healthier trading partners within that community, including countries like uh, Germany, etc. What is your sense as to whether or not this is actually going to happen? And, and let's assume for a moment that Boris Johnson gets his way and they do, in fact, withdraw. Is that ultimately going to bode well for the European Union and England separately? Or is this going to be the Behringer of bad news? Assuming that Behringer of a bad news situation will cause the U.S. markets and uh, basically worldwide to recede, or go down, create a bear move, a bear market. And there's a lot of phrases you can use for going south or Tierra del Fuego, the southern tip of South America. Um, I think that's going to happen. And the underlying reason why could very well be Brixis. I, I, read, I don't know. I, I think backwards from what you're doing. Uh, I think the market's going to go down. Now, I turn around and say, well, what's going to cause it to happen? And I see Brexit. Uh, I see we're ten and a half years into what should have been, on the average, nine years. It's overdue. I see technical bearish patterns that might work, and they haven't yet. And once they do work, it's after the fact. And where are you going to sell short? Near the high of the move? You can't turn the clock back, past tense. So you need to know these things in advance and take early advantage. And if you're wrong, you take a small loss because the pattern's completely damaged. If you're right, whopper of a profit. But it's gutsy, very gutsy. So again, back to your fundamentally oriented approach, I, I can't tell. I don't know. I don't think that way. All I can say is, if I'm right, technically, there will have been an excuse. It will have been Brexit. It will have been oil. It will have been the Middle East. It will be something else we don't see at all right now. Something like that. There usually, and not always, but usually is an excuse for the market doing what it did. My excuse is, hey, uh, I see a double top formation and it looks like it's on its way. Very, you know, it's first 2 or 3%, 5%, very tiny amount of proof so far. But once you get to that 50% mark, half of it's gone. You missed the top. In that regard, then, Stan, this approach is really counterintuitive. We, we tend to say we see something on the horizon. We think that's going to therefore be a trigger to impact the markets, where truly you can only make that kind of a call once the event has happened. And then it's really Monday morning quarterbacking that we assume, well, the markets went down. This event happened right around that same time. And so we therefore attach that event to the market's action, which may or not may May not necessarily be the really driving force. Right, exactly. We all like to make an excuse for what happened if we can find it and if it makes sense. But I've lived through so many bull or bear moves of short term and long term where you look back in time and you say, why? And you can't come up with a fundamental reason. You can't come up with an excuse. So I have said, the heck with it. I don't care anymore. I see the charts. I see what it looks like it could do. It's starting to do. There it goes. Oh, my God, it did it. And now it's done. And by the way, usually when the technical move is finished, it's over, is when the last piece of bearish news comes out. And from a fundamentalist standpoint, things look the worst. I said earlier, 
what looks bad is really good, and what looks good, the top of a bull market, is really bad in retrospect. The techniques that I'm using with candlesticks and overbought conditions, et cetera, et cetera, produced a sell signal on the day. I forgot what the date was. I think it's August something. August 24th comes to mind. The day to the day that the Dow Jones topped out before the subprime loan crash, the recession. I didn't actually see it at the time. I saw it after the fact, but it was right there in front of my face. I'm just too embarrassed to say I didn't see it. Um, but it was there, and it's the same mathematical coded programming technique that I'm using today, the combination of the various things. And uh, one of my good friends, Robert Prechter, the LA Wave theorist, who's a client of mine for a while, um, we're sitting at, uh, at the bar, of course, at the top of the Fairmont Hotel in San Francisco, and he had just lectured to Charles Schwab. Uh, so we were having a little celebration after that with a few friends. That happened to be the damn day. I've got a photograph with a time stamp, calendar stamp and time of day on that photograph, and we're sitting around talking about everything but the market. We didn't see it coming. But technically, after the fact, I should have seen it the day it happened. It was there in front of my face, and it's like looking at your cell phone at the wrong time, and you're about to have an accident. You should have been looking straight ahead. So I don't think fundamentally anymore. I like to find a reason but I don't go out of my way. If you've just joined us, our conversation today, it was, was with Stan Ehrlich. Stan is the developer of the Ehrlich Reversal, an automated stock, futures, indexes, ETFs, and Forex trading system. It's a technical approach to trading that blends disciplines from Japanese candlesticks to a customized relative strength index, momentum, trading psychology, and the best elements of technical analysis. More information available on the web at ersignals.com. That's e- ersignals.com. A brief timeout back to more of our conversation as Money Pulse continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. And welcome back to our conversation. Today with us is a gentleman who's been in the markets, my goodness, almost 50 years. He's seen the trends. He's seen the emotion that sometimes drives the bad decisions. And he's here today to give us some insights in terms of where we're at today and where he thinks we're going, not from the emotion of the markets, but rather from the technical side of the markets. Stan Ehrlich with us today from ER Signals. Information, by the way, online at ersignals.com. That's ersignals.com. We, we, we hear the stories about uh, so-called psychics or, or, or clairvoyants, and uh, they will oftentimes be hired to come into cases where they're trying to find a missing person. And, of course, the irony is that they never piece together all of the final details of the puzzle until after the fact. They will give very broad, vague generalities that could almost be applicable to any scenario, broad enough that once all of the details of the case fall into place, they can therefore go back and say, well, you see, I told you that was going to happen. 
at the end of the day, there is no more accuracy to a psychic than a clairvoyant than, quite frankly, trying to simply read the the tea leaves of what's going on in the 6 o'clock news to predict what's going to happen in the markets. What you're suggesting is you got to get up underneath the hood of what's happening in the markets, take a look at relative strength index, the momentum, And you mentioned something earlier that I'd like to have you elaborate on, because at the end of the day, listen, we as individual investors, whether we do it long-term or short-term, we're we're kind of trying to follow the the trends and, and read the tea leaves. But the big money, the big money has access to information. And in many respects, they just don't follow the trends, that they are, in fact, the trend setters, the trend makers. Are you in part suggesting that what would be a, a better indicator of how to move is to see exactly what the big boys are doing and follow their steps? Essentially correct, but you're never going to know it when they know it. They know it first. They've got the connections. They've got the friends. And I think the best word is simply connections to feel out situations that are in progress, not they have happened five minutes ago, ten minutes ago, and certainly hours ago is way, way too late for these markets. Which, by the way, Craig, as we are speaking, we're 294.85 on the spider low of the day and last, which means it's got a little bit more to close the gap I alluded to from two and a half weeks ago, about three weeks ago. And that price would be in the ballpark of 294.30, I think. Uh, so we're 485. That means 50 points or half of a big point down from here. And it could very well happen while we're talking that fast. I've seen it you know, happen. Now, um, I think I've digressed a little bit, got off the track. But this is, this is happening real time as we're talking. Well, if it can drop that quickly, that fast to the prices I just mentioned, 294.30, it should bounce like a golf ball off of cement, or a Super Bowl would be better, I guess, off of a hard surface, granite, because it's very substantial support. Everybody sees it, but it hasn't happened yet. And I think from a technician's standpoint, it's a very obvious place. Assuming I'm wrong, and it starts to go below that, oh boy, something's going to hit the fan. You know what? And again, that's dangerous. So magic is the word I used earlier, is about to happen if we can get to very close to that 294.33, I think I got the exact number, um, price level. And I'm happy to be looking at real-time charts right now. I'm going to give you the exact number for the radio show, 294.24, sir. And that was a high on August 30th. So 294 and a quarter, and that's only one hundredth off of the exact number, 294.25. Uh, it's close enough to 30, isn't it? And we're last at 480, 50 points to go. We'll see what happens. I've seen this, I don't know, hundreds of times over the decades. Sometimes it's a big deal, like this particular example. Sometimes it is a big deal. Trust me. If it um, bounces and it keeps bouncing, we may still have more of the bull market to develop fine. I agree a thousand percent. But again, I'm not sure exactly which one's going to happen if we hit that magic number or super close. Doesn't have to be exact. So, you know, I'm holding my breath. 
And as I'm speaking, we just jumped to a new high for 30 minutes. That was quick. That doesn't mean things have changed, but I'm thinking a tweet just happened. <laughs> Possibly so. Possibly so. Things are moving real time, right? That's right. We, and we and love the way the markets respond right? to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm just looking at the way the market moves. And this is interesting because in about 120 seconds, it just made a high above the prices of the last two hours. You know, and that's, that's pretty darn fast. I'll say so. Now, Stan, yeah, before, our, so before our time... Yeah, it, doesn't mean, it doesn't mean we hit a bottom. We could have. As a matter of fact, this is the kind of activity, and it's still going up pretty sharply. It's the kind of activity I would have expected at, you know, 294, 30-ish. But it's happening a little, a little bit higher. And it's still going up. 96.60 at the moment. And the bottom was below 95, what, three minutes ago. Really interesting rally. Very sharp. The th- okay, we don't know fundamentally what just caused this, do we? We have no idea. Nothing. But I can tell you something happened three minutes ago because I'm looking at the way prices move. And, of course, the irony is it would be pure speculation even on the backside. Uh, we might assign something to it and say, oh, we see this event that took place. The president did a tweet. Uh, somebody made a statement. Something happened. And, therefore, th- that was the, the factor that impacted the markets. That's what investors were responding to. But that's pure speculation at the end of the day. Stan, before our time winds down, I want you to take a moment, if you would, and share with our listeners a bit about um, – the Ehrlich reversal and what's available through ersignals.com. Well, thank you very much for asking. The system is based on human psychology, human trading, and it is reflected in the price action. So I look at significant overbought conditions, which implies the market's gone up too fast, too quick, and is about to turn back down or severe oversold condition, which is exactly the opposite, which we've got today. And there's fine-tuning those numbers that's involved, but I also incorporate other filters and a specific candlestick formation called a bullish or bearish engulfing. So the two major features behind the Ehrlich reversal are being extremely overbought or extremely oversold and then having the market produce a bearish engulfing in an overbought condition and defining what a bearish engulfing is because most of your listeners are not aware of the definition today's high is higher and it is than yesterday's high and today's low in the S&P 500 is much lower doesn't have to be much just lower than yesterday's low therefore it's engulfing it's bigger than higher and lower than yesterday plus the current price, and if you're talking about after the close, it's closed or currently lower than yesterday's closing price. That's the three elements to define a bearish engulfing, and we've got that today. This oftentimes happens, although not today, at the top day of a trend. What's a trend? Uh, okay, a short-term one might be a few weeks to a month or two, or it could be the top of a five-year bull market or a multiple-year bear market. These types of technical combinations 
occur frequently on the exact high day or low day. Looking for them, being aware of them, and most importantly, taking action are really difficult for most people because you are catching a falling knife or you are stopping a rocket. And that's not easy for them to do because it's scary stuff. If you're a computer, you don't care. And that's why I'm developing and have developed past tense. I'm tweaking it a little bit. There's, you know, software is never done. There's always things that you can improve on. Thank you, Bill Gates. But, you know, it's there. It, it's working pretty darn well in its current state. But, uh, you know, being a perfectionist of sorts, I'm never satisfied, and that's not so great. <laughs> I wish I could say, boom, at the end. But if you're writing a book, for example, you're probably going to go back to previous material and, and change it a little bit. But that's it. That's it in a nutshell. Uh, I see things bass-ackwards again. When markets get oversold, there usually has been bad news, and that's an explanation why prices are going down. But is there more bad news to come? We don't know. Maybe. But I see, because of the way prices move, an opportunity to get in at a price point where if I make a mistake, and I sure as heck do, I'm not going to get damaged. If I'm right, you know, I'm that uh, savant, I'm that guy that sees the future, I'm that guy that picked a turning point, and then people ask me, how the heck did you do that? And I just told you. But you doing it because you're not used to it, haven't lived through it, is a totally different psychological situation. Trading involves a lot of psychology. Fear and greed are the two words you always hear. That's it. Thanks for asking, Craig. Stan Ehrlich, developer of the Ehrlich Reversal, an automated stock futures, indexes, ETFs, and Forex trading system. It's a technical approach to trading that blends disciplines from Japanese candlesticks to a customized relative strength index, momentum, trading psychology, and the best elements of technical analysis. More information available on the web at ersignals.com. That's ersignals.com. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.